information is the most powerful thing you will ever get. Uh, I, I think that we all have greatness in us. And I think that most people don't know how to be an advocate for their life. You're listening to the Almond Gunner Experience Podcast, powered by Astoria. Now here's your host, Greg Dorsey. All right, here we go. Every day is game day. It's the Almond Gunther experience. Yes, we are, baby. Laced up, laced up, and ready to go. As we like to say in the country, you know, jam up and jelly tight. (laughs) Jam up and jelly tight today, man. We're going to, you know, drop some information and and, uh, see if we can help people maximize their potential. So looking forward to it. It's always good. That's right. We're in sunny Florida. Looking out the window, it's at the beach, but it's freezing cold out there. So we're just going to have to drop it. Drop it hot. Yep, got to right. drop it hot. Got my man 89 over there making oh. sure all the technical game is ready to go. So uh, we're looking excited, ready to go. He's on it. He's on it. Whipping us into shape. Let's go. <laughs> all right, so it looks like first up is the Freak of the Week. And this topic this week is leadership. Talk to us about the Freak of the Week. Yeah, you know, this week, you know, we're going to go with our topic. We're going to talk about leadership. And so when I was thinking about who could be a great Super Freak of the Week, uh Sarah Scala, my girl Sasa, you know, she, uh, freshman year at Rollins, heck of a job playing soccer. They actually were uh, co-conference champions. Uh, She went in, they changed her position, um, and she just took that team, and and you you wouldn't have known she was a freshman. You know, she became a leader, and and I've always told her, hey, it's an action. It's not a position. Uh, So Sarah Scala is definitely super freak of the week, doing great things, you know, putting it down, couldn't be prouder of her, and, and I'm sure as soon as she's out for winter break, she'll be back training and, and you know, so she can go back and do her thing, so uh, couldn't be happier, couldn't nice. be happier. Nice, yeah, absolutely, and, and anytime I'm around your athletes and I see them out there training, there's a bunch of uh, uh, younger girls, little, little uh, salsa lookups, that's right? right. And that's they're, right, they're just checking her out, just, that's right. oh man, she's working so hard, and I love the fact that when she's out there, you got different athletes. You got maybe maybe ones that are taller or younger, different sizes. And and uh, talk to me a little bit about your last training session and the fact that you had I don't know what was it eighteen an eighteen month old. You know it, it, it's so funny. I always you know people would would come to me and say, hey, you know, coach, why do you train everyone together? You know, you got like an eight year old, you know, with a college student. Uh, because I really believe in leadership, and I really believe that when you have younger athletes and they're around older athletes. They're looking up to the older athletes saying, oh, okay, so they're working hard and this is what it takes. And then when you have the older athletes, they're looking down at the younger athletes and realizing that, wow, you know what? I've got to keep doing the right thing because they are looking up at me and, and looking at the things that we're doing. So, you know, every Sunday we're usually at Memorial Park at 1015. And uh, so this past this past Sunday was, was you know, even more special than, than the normal Sundays. I mean, we usually get athletes who – who are doing their thing, and, and there'll be some kids coming through the park that may jump in for a little bit. But this past Sunday was different because what we had is not only were my athletes, you know, working hard, and 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 it's and it's interesting about when you're working hard. People that are successful that are walking around the park recognizes hard work, and they always make comments and want to know where are these students, you know, are they in college? What sports are they playing? So they recognize what's going in. But I like. When you get a little kid who's looking over at what they're doing and says, hmm, think I want a little bit of that. So this past Sunday, we had three boys. Parents were out there fishing. 
And next thing I know, these boys are down there. They're probably ages five and seven. And, you know, my, my, my boy athletes are, you know, working hard on the bench. So these little boys, I look up and there they are on the fountain working, doing the same exact drills, trying to, to emulate what they saw. Because nobody told them they can't. Because no one said to them, don't do it. And you know me, I'm actually encouraging. If I see a kid putting in work, hey, put in work, come on. But the interesting part was, so I had uh, one, of my, one of my young ladies working, Ashlyn, who, who is amazing. She's going to be uh, signing tonight, uh, going to play at the University of Florida, playing soccer. She's like six foot one. So she's the only girl in this crowd with all these boys that are working. And lo and behold, this 18-month-old little girl sees her and then just comes over and starts putting in work, man. And it was just crazy. Like her mom was looking at her, couldn't believe it. I mean, she's running around doing all of the things that she saw Ashlyn do. And that's why I know that leadership is an action. It's not a position. Because none of my athletes were, were saying anything that would bring these kids in. These kids just saw them working hard, saw the work they were putting in, recognized that this is probably a good thing, and then they started working. And like you said earlier, no one told them not to. And hey, the, the harder they work, the more I encourage them to work. And, and you know, the 18-month-old, it gets funny because then when it's time to leave, they don't want to leave. And so now the mom's got to come up with a way to, to get her from working hard. So think about that for a moment. You have a kid who's really, she was trying to do push-ups. Man, I'm telling you, she was trying to do it all. And now the mom's trying to get her, you know, get her way to go continue their day. So uh, that's what this is all about, man, getting people to work hard but not even realize that's what they're doing. That's a movement right there. That that's a that, revolution. That's the revolution. Right there. Well, you got an 18-month-old being an example, hasn't been promoted yet, right? Hasn't been elevated. Hadn't gotten that job. No. Hadn't gotten that no. that uh, that that hadn't been picked on the team, right? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. Had, hadn't been told that that she wouldn't be picked on the team. Exactly. And just putting in work. But and, putting and in work. Programming it. And, and, and to yeah. me, that's what this is really all about. I mean, when I think of the revolution, that's why I know that this thing's very real mm -hmm. and that it's also very doable. Mm -hmm. Because almost every day there's something that reminds me that, you know, wow, people do want to get better. And if you tell them, you know, if, if you don't tell them that they can't get better, people get better. Because, again, no one said to this little girl, hey, you know, you're not big enough to do what they're doing. You know, no one said that. No one said to these boys, hey, you're not old enough to, to be working out like that. So no one tells you that you can't do it, that it's not impossible. You think it's possible. And that's what the movement should be about. It's about helping people understand that possibilities are all around us. So life doesn't always put us in that, that incubator, right? To no. allow us from that 18 month to 13 to 17, 21, all these different benchmarks in our lives. And, and I wonder what happens uh, you know, to, to kind of deprogram us from that ability to do things and then how do you develop, and actually this question came in from Charlotte Burton, yeah, C-Dub. My girl, C-Dub, Charlotte Summerall Burton. Come on. Uh, one, one of my favorite athletes of all time. And, uh, and it's so funny, she listened to our podcast and then she said, hey, can I send you some questions? So we want to encourage everyone that's listening to us, please send us topics and questions every week because we want to make this relevant uh, and we want to make it to where people are getting a lot of information that can help them to be better. Um, but one of the things that I found about oh, hitting it on—is it on the cable? How long has it been on there? Just a couple seconds. You good? Yeah, no foul. Yeah, you're good. Okay. One one thing that I, that I find fascinating about you know when you when you're saying you know you have these eight eighteen month old and 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 all the way up to college and 
you know, life happens and life shows up, right? So when life shows up, if no one tells you that you can't do it or you can't get through it, you'll find a way to work through it. I think a lot of times what happens is life shows up and because of past experiences or past things that's been said to us, we're not sure that we can battle it. I mean, I, I think that's where that disconnect really comes in. So how do you develop mental toughness? Uh, knowing that there are toxic people out there, you're mm -hmm. gonna have negativity around you, you might even have some negative thoughts yourself, and, and as life is throwing you curveballs and punches, how do you develop that mental toughness, or is it an action? Is it something that you just, you have to be kind of, uh, you know, responsive and reactive to? Well, what I think it is, is you definitely can develop it, right? And I think it starts with your thought process, right? When you start to realize that you're having negative thoughts, my question is, you should ask yourself, why, why am I thinking negative? Because everything that happens to us may or may not be true, right? The possibility is all around us. So when it comes to mental toughness for me, it's about always focus on the, on the possibilities. That's how you get to the other side. You don't lose hope. You trust that if I continue to follow the process, if I continue to do the right things, I will get to where I need to be. So to me, being mentally tough is more about discipline. Are you disciplined enough to weather whatever storm comes your way? Because it goes back to, you know, in, our, in an earlier podcast, we talked about expectations, right? So it goes back to these expectations of when you're trying to be the best that you can be, when you want to be great, there's going to be detours. There's going to be adversity. You got to build that in. You just got to know that that's a part of it. That's a part of being successful. Failure is, is all a part of that. So to be mentally tough, if I already know that, if I know that there's going to be some distractions, then I'm preparing myself to be focused, to be disciplined. And all I'm saying is, look, I just got to get through today. I don't have to get through next week. I don't have to get through next month. I've got to get through today. So to me, the key to mental toughness is the moment, right now, right here. What am I doing? Am I being 100% of me right now? If I do that, the more I do it, the more mentally tough I become. That's great. That's outstanding. And we talk about the athletic journal. Okay. And I know that one of the things that helps me with my discipline mm -hmm. is going back and being able to, to say, okay, this worked well. Mm -hmm. We talked about this last week and trust the process. And even going back into our lead athletes uh, podcast, we talk about discipline and, and I think if we can measure it, it helps, right? Being able to, to see, okay, I ate this I worked out then. I, I got this much sleep. Sometimes I think we're way too hard on ourselves. We, we well, beat ourselves up we're our not own worst realizing critics. that we're improving every day. We are. We're our own worst critics. I always say, you know what? We don't talk ourselves into our dreams. We talk ourselves out of our dreams, right? The key to the athletic journal, which makes it so special, is, look, if you can't quantify it, it's not real. You know, scientists will tell you when they do an experiment and it works, they do it again. See, because if it doesn't work twice, mm, it's not really science. Science only happens when things can happen. You know, you can duplicate what's going on. So that's what makes the Athletic Journal so special. It's like, look, I just want to find what works for me. I need to find my process. What, what makes me that special person that want other people to be around, right? You know, what, what gives me that light that now makes an 18-month-old want to come out and work out? when she's just in, in off to a little stroll in the park with her parents. So the journal is all about how do you connect those dots? I always say that mental and physical fitness go together. If you want to be mentally tough, the more physically fit you are, the more mentally fit you become. Because 
people, when you look and feel the way you want to look and feel, people are kinder. They're more productive. Think about it. When you, when, when you stand in the mirror and go, you know what, hey, I, I'm, I'm looking all right. Especially if you're a person who's trying to get fit and you start to get there, mentally things change. So I always tell people there's a major connection between mental fitness and physical fitness. And I know for a fact that when you look and feel the way you want to look and feel, you're just a better person. You know, you feel better about yourself. You know, you talk more favorably about yourself. And, and I think we're critical of ourselves because for a lot of us, we just don't look and feel the way we want to look and feel. Belief. Got to have belief. And I think you have to continue to understand that you're a work in progress, right? So if I continue to understand that I'm a work in progress, what I understand more than anything is I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to get there, but that's okay. I just want to make sure that every day I'm putting in the effort and have the right attitude and behavior to at least pursue it. It's good stuff. So Sunday, 8 o'clock, down at TIAA Stadium or whatever it's called now. Yes, yeah. Bank, bank. Yeah, <laughs> the T bank. TIAA Bank. <laughs> Team USA in the house. Yes. And, and my three daughters, we watch all their games, all their matches. Right. Um, and have some, you know, favorite players that, you know, we're looking for. And and one thing we notice is, so they're playing Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Quickly get out there. Your girl, Carly Lloyd, rockets the ball right through the center of the net. Just just <laughs> absolutely the most beautiful goal of the whole match. Um, and it just starts to kind of, you know, roll the ball right. rolls downhill from that point on. And we at about halftime, you start to think, okay, well, they're starting to bring in some, some younger talent. And, and they brought out Lynn Williams, mm -hmm. okay, who I now understand has been trained and developed and kind of mentored by one of your athletes, McCall Zerboni. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, I mean, the way that they played and they and they built their offensive attack around her speed mm -hmm. was remarkable. But one thing I want to talk to you about, and, and there's, so there's the, the leadership and mentor development that I see amongst these two athletes, McCall and, and, and Lynn Williams, and I, I want you to frame that up. But another thing that really stood out to me is uh, as I'm sitting there with my dad, who played football for the Gators in the 60s with mm -hmm. Steve Spurrier, nose guard, defensive right. captain. Mm -hmm. I myself played football, very masculine-oriented sports home. Right. And now we got my three daughters. We're watching these just dominant professional female athletes mm -hmm. um, with who play the game, I think, and are going to continue to play the game and elevate the game at another level. What do you see happening amongst female athletes, and I know you get a chance, we're talking with two, two college signees today, mm -hmm. right? We're talking mm -hmm. about a freak of the week. So mm -hmm. um, even from the game of sport to the game of life, what are you seeing amongst female athletes, and, and you know what can we learn from that? Well, the biggest thing that I see, the biggest change, and it's the thing that I try to instill in all of my female athletes is they're finding their voice because they know their value. So, so I think that now you have female athletes who, who embrace um, being athletic, they embrace being hard workers, and they embrace winning. And so they have this voice, this new voice that for years have been, you know, I, I feel have been silenced in a certain way. Uh, I, I tell everyone that I'd rather work with female athletes than guy athletes. They listen better. And, and, and the biggest thing with female athletes is once you help them to understand that it's okay to dominate. 
it's okay to be the best at what you do and, and keep it factual. This is not about emotion. This is about you put in work to be successful and you're being successful. So when you look at the U.S. team, you know, I, uh, I remember when I first got Carly Lloyd, I mean, years and years and years ago. I mean, if you look back at an article in 2008 when they won the gold medal, uh, there's a statement in there from me that says that she took the first step to becoming the best female athlete in the world. And, uh, and she did. I mean, that was back in 08 when I made that statement. And you fast forward to 2015, and clearly when she just shredded the World Cup up and, and then did it again. But as you see, Carly, she continues to play at that high level because she puts in work. You know, every day is game day for her. Uh, and, and one of the things that I, that I press for all my athletes, whether they're male or female, is you have to be a leader. Like, you have to be willing to give back. You have to be willing to help develop some people. So you talked about, you know, McCall, Zerboni, and, and, and Williams. And, and here's the thing. I train a lot of athletes, and, and you guys hear me talk about McCall the most because I feel like in a lot of ways she's like my daughter. Um, she just has that what I call it factor. McCall is genuinely happy for her teammates. She's genuinely happy for people to be successful. And, and somewhere in there, she, she must have really listened to me when I said, information is only good if you share it. So she makes it a point to share everything she knows. She, you know, she wants to see the U.S. team do well. You know, she's a part of that national team, but she wants to see the team win. She wants to see the sport grow. She wants to see women, you know, you know get paid their fair share. So she's not afraid. And, and that's what I think you're seeing. I think you're seeing now a, a group of athletes. You know, they're, they're not <laughs> referring to themselves as female athletes. We're, like, we are a group of athletes. We put in the work. We show up. But more importantly, we win. We win. And, and, you know, and at the end of the day, if you're a professional athlete, isn't that what it's all about? And, and so I think that's what you see. And, and I also think that you see, like you said, you, you were there with your father and you have your daughters. But I think now you see men who really appreciate what they're seeing on the field. Like Absolutely. they're starting to realize mm -hmm. that, you know what, these are athletes. Mm -hmm. Like they, they get it done deserve absolute respect exactly yeah and for me that's that's my mission you know my mission is i i think that everyone should 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 feel like it. everyone wants to be respected i think everyone wants to be loved and, and again so that's why my revolution is all about are, are we helping people be the best versions of themselves and to me the answer is simple it's either yes you're doing it or no, you're not doing it. Right, right. You you either want it or you don't want exactly. it. Exactly. There's, no, there's you, no in between. There's no in between. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, for me, that's why it's like, look, we, we got to do this. It's up to us to make this world whatever we want it to be. You know, no one's going to do it for us. So you either decide that you want to be a part of that or not a part of that. And what I see in those around this revolution is it, McCall, case in point, is I want someone else to do better than me yes yes she gets it this is what i'm saying like like she understands that look to truly make progress that means that the people behind you should have a better starting place and move the pendulum forward because if they're not how can that be progress that's not progress if, if yeah. we're still yeah. talking without that about the same thing that happened 50 years ago but we that's not progress. We're, we're not moving. So McCall understands that. And like I said, it's, it's been, you know, 
decade plus of me trying to pour into her and and and, uh, and to all of my athletes. And, and and again, that's why I love what I do because it seems like I have these athletes for life. You know, when you talk about a, a Charlotte Summerall Burton who I got when she was 17 years old. She's now 28, 29. She's married with a kid, and, and we still have conversations. She still calls. She still So that's why, again, I know this revolution works because I can't get rid of these kids. I try to. I try to run them off. They won't run off. They come back. They start to get it. And then in the end, they always say, Coach, I get it. This was about life. This was never about soccer. It was never about football. It was about life. It was about how to be prepared to win the game of life. It's amazing. And we talked uh, last week, you shared a little bit about your grandmother mm -hmm. at 108. And I just read this story. Uh, my wife, Melanie, sent it to me this morning. And we learned that uh, a, a lady by the name of Pearl Gartrell, she was born in Tisdale, Georgia. And on April 1st, get this, 1888, 1888, she passed at 120 years old. Uh, she lived in Jacksonville, Florida for almost 70 years, mm -hmm. and uh, and we lost her um, on Tuesday. We lost her, and she passed, mm -hmm. okay? So I'm going to read a little bit of this uh, mm -hmm. news story to you. Okay. Here. So Miss Gartrell was not a person with sickness, but she did have a bout with illness. In fact, the doctors thought she would surely die in 1999, 1991, when she contracted pneumonia at the age of 103, and she refused to be hospitalized. So they tried to give her medications. Right. She would hide them under her mattress. Just, again, <laughs> we're talking about mental toughness right. in the game of life, okay? Right. Uh, she broke her hip, cracked her pelvis in 98, uh, had surgeries. Okay, so we're, we went from 1888, mm -hmm. now we're 1998. Yes. We're having surgical procedures, okay? But the story here is that she actually... Uh, she survived in the early stages of her life. She moved the ball so far down the field from mm -hmm. where she started. Mm -hmm. Her family finding a hiding place in the deep cooking fireplace uh, uh, with all of their children hiding in the back of the fireplace for when the KKK would come in, she would also have to go and create hiding places for kids in schools. Right. And she would continue to just survive and push through and you talk about toxic you talk about hatred you talk yes. about getting through something yes and getting to the other side what if let's just take that to the other side what if she were to say i'm look out for number one right okay let them take care of them you see where i'm going with this I mean, of course it's, it's so obvious. so what so what would have happened was if she would have said hey look you know what this is really all about me then you would have had a whole lot of lives that would never been changed you know, I always tell people all the time, you know, the reason that, that, that I work so hard to, to move the ball forward and, and to try to encourage people to be the best versions of themselves is because I had a grandfather who was born in 1906 with a sixth grade education and who, who ends up doing these incredible things. I mean, so what kind of guy would I be if I didn't take that momentum and move it forward, right? I mean, what kind of guy would I be if I can't look back at a Dr. King or a Malcolm X and, and, or Harriet Tubman and go, look, you know, they weren't all about themselves. They were about other people. So if I'm not trying to progress and build on top of that, right, why am I here? Why am I here? If, if we're not going to continue to serve, if we're not going to continue to try to, to start from this, you know, I call it cutting into the learning curve, right? So, you know, I have three kids and my youngest son, Austin, 
you know, I remember when he was about 15 years old, we, we were driving along in the car one day, and, and, uh, and I said to him, I said, hey, Oss, you know how when people ask, when they say, uh, if I knew, you know, then what I know now? I said, you know what that means? And he, he looked at me and said, oh, Dad, I think it means they would have made like a, a different decision. And I said, exactly. I said, now listen, you're 15 years old. I'm 52. I was 52 at the time. I said, uh, <clears throat> so I'm giving you what I know at 52. You're only 15. I'm giving you a huge head start. You got like a 37-year head start here. So I'm cutting into his learning curve. You know, what I'm saying to Austin is, look, man, you're not really 15. I'm dropping, you know, 37 more additional years of knowledge into you. So if you can take that and run with it, then we move the ball forward. And so I'm watching what he's doing at 19 and going, okay, he's getting it. You know, he's really getting it. And I think that's what we should be doing. How do we cut into the learning curve to help people move forward? Outstanding. And when you think about life in general, most of the time we're just looking at the finish line. Yes. And we're not thinking about what happens after the finish line. And there's so much that happens after the finish line because as I said before, listen, the moment that you cross the finish line, you got to set another goal. Success lasts for a moment. So if you're just going to finish and leave it at that, I mean, you're just taking up space at that point. There is no finish line. We have to keep pushing. We, you know, if, if this revolution is going to catch fire and, and burn the way that I want it to burn, I want every individual to wake up every day knowing that there's no finish line here. We have work to do. We, we have lives to change. We have people to influence. And we can do that. That's what we're here to do is to serve. Uh, so, so every day, that's how I'm playing. No excuses. I, I, again, going back to Miss Pearl's story, at age 14, she can't remember her husband's name uh, due to memory loss, but, uh, and, and, and also the fact that in a traumatic incident, her husband, brother, and father were all killed in, uh, in a small Georgia town again. Um, but what she does remember is that in her younger days, she was forced to be submissive and gave birth to two children by a white man in that town, but she did not harbor hate. Even though she was still very shy when it came to interacting with white people, she was filled with wisdom, filled with love. She kept strong belief in God. And even though she had cataracts, she always wanted the morning paper. She would read the morning paper, okay? One last thing. Her family talks about the fact that, that she not only raised them, but she taught them to be God-fearing. She taught them how to, how to push past the obstacles in their life. And, and she just really, it sounds like, in, in so many ways, left an indelible mark on her family, on that town, and at 120 years old, left our world. And I think to myself, man, what a legacy. What a legacy. She didn't just look at that, like, now, now we know, 120-year mark, okay? Right, right. That being the finish line, she thought well past that, I, I guarantee you. Well, again, it goes back to my statement of saying wanting to live for 2,000 years. That's how you live for 2,000 years. See, when I, when I hear that story um, uh, that you just you know, gave us snippets of, what I think about is what an incredible foundation. What she did was took all of her wisdom and all of this knowledge and created this incredible foundation to which her kids and her kids' kids can, can stand on. And at the end of the day, that's what this should be about, right? You know, we don't have to get fancy here. You know, I always say, man, char character is pretty simple. It's just doing what you say you're going to do. 
Do the right thing. Know what respect and being responsible is all about. Be an advocate for your life. Those are all things that we can all do. So if you lay the right foundation, there's no reason that things can't stand for 2,000 years. I mean, look at Egypt. There's things still standing thousands of years later, right? Because the foundation was right. So why can't we do that as human beings? So when you talk about um, the foundation and, and you talk about leaving a lasting legacy um, on the on the individual daily decision-making side of that, how do you break up your time or how do you look at those kind of, uh, you know, those rocks of your day and how do you build discipline into, you know, very practical ways? Well, my grandfather had this thing he called eat the frog. So what he'd say was, look, when you wake up in the morning, I want you to write down the three things that you just do not want to do. You just write them down. You take those three things, you write them down. And he says, you know what? Do those first. He says, if you do those first, your day has to get better. But what do we do? We do the opposite of that. The things that we don't want to do, we put off. So that frog now turns into an elephant by the time you get to the end of the day. So I've learned to just, you know, to, to, to discipline myself to do those hard things first. Because I want to end my day with hope. I want to end my day with possibilities. So if I can get through these three hard things, my day is only going to get better. So by the time I lay my head down, I'm filled with hope, possibilities, whole lot of love, and I'm encouraged to get up the next day and let's do this thing again. That's how you become mentally tough. It's through these little things of discipline that, you know, you do the things that most people do not want to do. Just do them first. And if you can get into that habit of doing that first, your days are better. What I hear from that is practice. It's like you're redefining practice. And you, you know, we started with that point of leadership is not yes. a position. It is an action. Right. So you can practice that action. And, and you need to practice it every single day. You know, I call it putting in reps. The more reps you put in, the better at you're going to get at something. And especially, as my grandfather would say, do it right. If you put in reps the right way, you're going to become very efficient. And then you're going to stop time because with efficiency comes more time. When you're not efficient, a lot of rework goes into that. You're losing time. So I've been a filmmaker for about 20 years now. And I'm expert. And that's right. <laughs> Sorry, crowd <laughs> expert. I've been willing to put so many poor victims on the other side of that lens. <laughs> but this morning we decided we're doing a, an event coming up. <laughs> And, and I'm going to let Almond tell you all about it, but but we're, here we are, we're doing the promo, and I decide, okay, I'm going to pull Almond and Kenny Harper, and we're going to do this quick little promo. I mean, we're talking about 15 seconds I wanted to get this thing done. How many takes was it, Big D? Seven. Eight. Oh, it was, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 it felt, felt like 105 takes. It might have been 105 takes. takes, but I put in practice. That's I right. I put in practice, big right. bro. Right, right, You You were putting in practice, and then, as usual, big bro had to pull him out, hey, you know, once again, because I right. make a lot of things look easy. Just be ready and when I, I run right by and, you, that's exactly, all I say. Exactly, So, So, again, it, 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 what was fun about this morning is yeah. we do have this incredible event coming December the 4th. Um, at the Jesse du, uh, DuPont Ball Center that, that we're really looking forward to. We have Kenny Harper with Rock My Image. We have you, of course, with Astorio and, and, and me. And, and, and it's all about, you know, helping people, you know, realize their brand and, and, and change their image and, and go for it. So what was fun about this morning was was really trying to get this great promo out, right? 
but having fun in the process, you know, words not coming out right, and me and Kenny being able to look at you and just go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and me then being able to say, I know I make a lot of things look they easy. make it look easy. I make a lot make of things look, look easy. easy. And, uh, <laughs> but but that that is how it should be when you enjoy what you do. Yeah. Because then we were able to look at all the bloopers and laugh about them and have fun about them and knowing at the end that we're, we're still all together because we're really trying to serve people and, and push to the other side. And it goes back to having that great team of people um, and, and having you know people like 89, you know, realizing that, look, man, I, I'm, I'm gonna look at these bloopers right now and start laughing right now because these bloopers were funny. Um, but when you have a good team of people, you, you can do that, but still make progress. You can do that and still hit your mark. That's what it's all about. So, um, again, we're going we're gonna to shamelessly plug that event December 4th. If you or someone you know is a, an organization that's all about a mission to improve the lives of others, then we want you to be there. It's increasing and improving and magnifying your brand story and increasing the impact of your organization. So we want to open that up to you. And, and then, um, Coach, I want to talk a little bit about your book, Lead With Your Life. So you, you chose to write that. Um, in fact, we even talked about a different title at one point. Right. Um, uh, but there's a reason why you went with, with that title. And, and that book is, is soon coming. I actually have had a chance to, to read that book. And I just feel like that's when that comes off the press, <laughs> you know, buyer beware, because that thing is just so, so strong. Well, you know, Lead, Lead With Your Life is a book that I think I've had inside of me for so very long. You know, I've written three books prior to that. So, um, but this is a book that, that I think has just kind of been sitting inside of me and I was just waiting for the right moment to, to be able to sit down and put pen to paper. Um, what what I think so incredible about the book is, it's just like the title said, I, I, I think for my whole life, it was all about my mother was real big on, you know, you just look at how I do things. You know, she, she led with her life, you know, and, and I had so many people in my life that, you know, when I sit back and look at them, they went out front and, and they made a way for me. They, they, they actually built some bridges that were, you know, not intended for them to cross, but certainly bridges that I was able to cross. And so when I first started thinking about that title, you know, of course, the title was actually going to be lead, lead from the front. And but the more that I thought about it, I went, no, you know, it's about leading with your life. It's about being an advocate for your own life and putting yourself out front and being willing to, you know, sometimes you come up short. Uh, but then I always laugh and go, yeah, but I'm still in front of you. You know, I may come up short, but I'm going to be in front of you because I'm not afraid of failure. I'm not afraid of risking. Uh, and I think if more people led with their life, I mean, think about it. I mean, when you lead with your life, you really have an opportunity to change lives. You really do. Because people are always watching. Someone's always watching. And especially, like, in these days and times, right? Everything's captured. But I've always believed that, you know, someone's always watching. You ever ask yourself why they're watching? Uh, a lot of times, I think, it's because, you know, they don't have anything to do with their own lives. So they're looking at others. But then I also think that there's people that's watching because they really want to learn. You know, some some people, you know, are not as fortunate as I was. I had a lot of great people, a lot of great coaches, my parents. Like, I had a lot of great people that were pouring the right things inside of me. I think, I think when so when you said uh, the story about, about your mom and mm -hmm. the exposure she gave you, mm -hmm. I wrote down the word mental image, mm -hmm. the words mental image. 
you know, because I think one aspect of that is, is just visualizing it, seeing it before it, it oh. actually becomes real. Um, I remember um, right out of college wanting to get better at my golf game and just slicing the ball all over the place. And I learned this trick, uh, see it, feel it, trust it. Mm -hmm. And I would write on, on my golf ball, SFT, mm -hmm. and, and I would teach myself to before I hit a shot, I'd step behind the ball, mm -hmm. visualize, close my eyes, visualize the shot. And I'm telling you, I, it, you know, uh, by no means am I a scratch golfer, but it completely changed my golf swing and it changed the way I hit the ball. And I really have learned to kind of develop that over time. Uh, when it comes to sports, I think we do that. But I think a lot of times we don't apply that same practice to, again, you're talking about daily behavior. Well, right? You know, it's part part of our Monday motivation that we're doing right now. We're doing a seven part series, and 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 one of the parts of the series is you got to see it. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people never see themselves as successful. They never see themselves as champions, and, and I think it, it's hard to hit something that you don't see. You know, when 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 you see it, I always go, you hit what you focus on, and you're going to focus on what you see because you're always playing for the picture in your head, no matter who we are. Whatever the picture is in our head, that's what we're constantly playing for. So my thing is, you got to have positive thoughts, and the things that you play for got to be positive, but you got to see it and know that you can get there. I mean, for me, I remember being 13 years old and walking around in my backyard and acting as if I was the CEO of my own company. So here I am 21 years later. I'm not surprised that I have my own business. I mean, I saw it a long time ago, but I also knew I just had one of those personalities Man, it's going to be hard for me to work for people. And the reason that is because, you know what, people are lazy. They're lazy. And, and I'm not a lazy person. And, and, and I don't want to get in, have to be fighting every day about someone doing what they signed up to do. Uh, so it's great because I get to pick my team. But you have to be a visionary. I mean, if, if you're not a visionary, it's just going to be hard every day to give 100% effort. Like, think about it. Who's going to give 100% effort chasing something that they can't see? So you got to at least be a visionary. I had an opportunity to hang out with a, a good friend the other day uh, who was facing a situation where they were frustrated, angry, and just needed to get into a different environment. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, what came to mind was your acronym, MAD. Make a decision. Make a decision. When you're mad, you're frustrated. Yeah. Make a decision, right? Be willing to step out. And I think a lot of times what happens with us is that we haven't surrounded ourselves with a mental picture or mm -hmm. uh, or people in general. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the, the people that you list, they're not on the street corner waiting for right. you to hang out. Right. These, these are role models that right. you've said, okay, they are so far out front mm -hmm. that I can aim. Mm -hmm. You know, your mom... Mm -hmm. Your grandma, your grandfather, mm -hmm. the other leaders that you mentioned from from history, and, mm -hmm. and the ones who have moved the ball down the field for for all mankind, right? For humankind. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's important for all of us to be willing to make a decision when it comes to the people we surround ourselves with, because either put up or shut up. You know, at the end of the day, it's a lot of talk if you're not willing to distance yourself from the mental images that are bringing you back down. I, I think that's a absolutely spot on. I mean, for me, uh, it goes back to being an advocate for your life. 
you can either complain about your life or you can do something about your life. And, and so you have to have that ability. You have to have courage to make a decision. Because a lot of times the decision that you have to make, you know it's going to be a hard one. And you know there's going to be some people that get, you know, there's going to be some casualties. And so what do we usually do as, as humans? We try to make the other person feel guilty. We, we try to make it their fault. We, we, want, we, we try want to blame to know them. why they're wrong. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, look, when I make a decision, I make the decision. And if you happen to not understand it, that's on you. I understand why I'm making it. You know, the beautiful thing about when you become an adult, I always say, look, man, you get to do some things, which means you don't have to answer your phone to negative people. You don't have to be around negative people. That's the thing about being an adult. My mother used to say, baby, you can't raise an adult. See, and I think a lot of times what we do, we try to raise another adult. We try to get them to do what we want them to do. We try to get them to see things our way. Concentrate on raising yourself to be the best image and then lead with your life. Be, be the light that you want people to come to. I mean, why not do it that way? Why not influence them that way? Don't try to influence them with words. Don't try to influence them physically. Influence them by your actions and what they see you doing in your life. That to me is, I mean, because that you have control over. I have control over me. Well, and I've heard it said that leadership is influence. So you're saying influence with your life. Influence with your actions. That's it. You know, matter of fact, look, let's take it a step further. Why don't we make this week's challenge all about you influencing with your life? Why don't you lead with your life this week? See how many people you can have that come up to you and go, hey, you know, wow, that's, that's, how do you do that? I want to do, see, see how many people you can, can be like that 18 month old girl. See you doing something, go, you know what? Don't really know what's happening over there, but that looks good and I want to be a part of it. That's this week's challenge. Lead with your life. You don't have to say anything. Just let your actions speak for themselves. I think if we do that on a daily, I don't know. I'm just an old country boy, but I think we'd be in a lot better place than we are now. Lead with your life. I love it. All right, so that's the challenge for the week. All right. Um, I see you got your UNC shirt on today. Yeah. But we watched a little bit of number one go down yesterday to, to Evansville. Evansville, okay, yeah. Kentucky, Kentucky went down. <laughs> well, it goes back to life shows up, right? And again, that's why I love sports, because you've got to play the game. And see, and someone forgot to tell Evansville that they weren't supposed to win that game. Mm -hmm. And someone forgot to tell Kentucky that they were supposed to play that game. There you go. That's why I like it. So I'm wearing my UNC shirt because uh, this morning uh, I had one of my athletes, Avery Patterson, she plays soccer, uh, and she attends the bowl school, and she actually signed her national letter of intent this morning to go play soccer at UNC. So um, very happy for her, very, very proud of her. But actually, she didn't give me the shirt. I have another athlete who is now a junior at UNC, and he plays baseball, and he actually gave me this shirt when he when he actually signed and so and then later this afternoon i will be uh, over in fleming island because i have another one of my athletes 
who is uh, actually signing her national letter of intent to go play soccer for the University of Florida. So it's a, it's a, it's a big day. It's a big day. We, we got kids doing great things. We'll let you get back out there into the freezing cold. We're, yeah. here, we're at the Astorio offices, and uh, we're about to wrap it up with the Age Almond Gunner experience. To learn more, you can go to almondgunnermotivates.com. Uh, you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Twitter. You know, follow us on Twitter. We're, we're, we're doing some great stuff. I mean, I, I got to give a shout-out to my main man, Dallas, you know, uh, 89, because he's really got this social media stuff working. He's the one that's responsible for for videos, him and him and Kevin, and I mean, they make all this stuff work. And then, you know, like I said, Shelter just kind of keeps me in line. But, but I couldn't do what I'm doing without a great team of people. And uh, my job is to do what I do well and let you guys continue to do what you do well. And and our goal here is to get as many listeners. You know, I want to encourage all the listeners. You know, listen to the podcast, bring your friends in, get them hooked on the podcast. We'll be doing it every Wednesday. And it's all about this revolution. And, and trust me, we ain't turning around, baby. We ain't turning around. We're, we're, we're going for it. Every day is game day, baby. Every day is game day. Every day is game day. Let's hey, go wait, get it. Wait, who are we calling to the mat? Because I want, I want, I want to know who our guest is next week. You got to just gotta oh, call listen, him to the you mat. You know what? Carl Tremble. I'm, ca- I'm, call- call. I'm calling Carl to the mat. He needs to be our guest. Let's go, Tremble. So he may as well get his schedule right <laughs> for next Wednesday to come on in here and get a little bit of this right here. And uh, and Carl would be great. Hey, he's a Hall of Famer. Okay. He's a Hall of Famer. Let's and uh, and uh, and I'd love for, you know, again, one of our goals is we're going to start bringing guests in and, and, and getting input from everyone because this this is a village, baby. That's right. It's going to take a village to do what we're doing. Let's go. So uh, we're just going to bring different people in and just keep encouraging and moving, baby. Do you want a revolution? Woo-hoo. You know said, it. Do you want a revolution? Yes, sir. Woo-hoo. Got to have it. Got to have it. <laughs> All right. We'll catch you next week.